disruption zone. Opportunity lives where the status quo dies. Talking to the greatest innovators, disruptors, and off-the-wall inventors, we can scrounge up. You laugh, you'll learn, you'll be inspired. Now, here are your hosts, Leland Conway and Cameron Mills. This one will be a short episode, but I think it'll be worth your time. Um, we are excited to have Senator Rand Paul back on the program. We're going to talk about a number of things, the economy, what he would do if he were president right now, how out of touch the left is with the mainstream America, um, challenging the vaccine status quo with Dr. Fauci, and then we're going to talk a little bit about guns. Um, but, you know, he's a guy that, you know, I'll just tell you, we go way back. Uh, I met him early in his initial Senate campaign, immediately liked the guy. Uh, to me, it if we could have 100 Senator Pauls and 435 Thomas Masseys, America would be in a pretty damn good place. We don't have that. So we just have the one of each. Um, but fortunately, they're up there in Washington and they're fighting for things. Uh, again, this is a quick conversation, but it's an important conversation. And um, after we have this talk with Senator Rand Paul, kind of wrap up with some thoughts on some of the stuff that he says. Uh, so we'll get to that. I want to thank our sponsor, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops, for making this program possible. Um, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops and Tim Montgomery, um, they are, how do I put this? The, the craft is what's important to them. And I know this because uh, I have been a customer of theirs, not once, but twice. And I've seen their work. I've seen the pride they take in it. And so if you're thinking about upgrading your kitchen, remodeling your kitchen, if, it, if it, all you want to do is just countertops, cool. Or if you want to rip it all out and start all over and maybe move one wall and change where the refrigerator is, uh, put in an island, all that stuff. They can do all of that. They can do a turnkey um, so that you just go sit down with the designer and voila, you got your new kitchen. You know, or if you're a do-it-yourselfer, you know what you want, um, they can absolutely help you with it from that perspective as well. They have high-quality cabinets in stock and ready to go, um, and they've got all kinds of surfaces for your countertops. Like if you want quartz or granite, we went with quartz. It's just a, uh, it's an easier option in terms of maintenance, and it's just as beautiful now as granite and certainly very, very durable so we really loved the work that they did. They're at 6200 Hit Lane in Louisville. Uh, if you're in southern Indiana, Oldham County, um, Louisville area, this is your place. Um, the phone number is 502-930-3304, 502-930-3304. Louisville Cabinets and Countertops, you will not be sorry. All right, let's get into our conversation with Senator Rand Paul. I love this guy. Um, I wish that he would run for president again. I don't know if he has plans to, but I think he is he's the hero America needs. Anyway, our conversation with Senator Paul. Good. Where are you these days? Uh, still in the Rocky Mountains, loving it out here in the uh, Rocky Mountain West, so we're living in Colorado Springs. Good. But, uh, we miss Kentucky. It's home, so, you know. <laughs> so. Well, come and visit us sometime. Oh, absolutely. So Well, welcome back. It's good to have you. Um, and first of all, there's been a lot going on recently. Um, let's start with inflation. What do you think is the driving cause behind it? Because there seem to be a lot of excuses from Washington. 
Well, without question, inflation is caused when the Federal Reserve increases the money supply. The reason they do this is that Congress spends money we don't have. In the last two years, Congress ran up a deficit of nearly $6 trillion. This is an unprecedented amount of debt in a short period of time. This is more debt than was added during World War II. It's an enormous amount of money. To pay for that, uh, the debt is basically sold. Foreign countries buy our debt. China buys our debt. Japan buys our debt. About a third of our debt is owned by foreign countries, but about a third of it is also purchased by the Federal Reserve. But the Federal Reserve doesn't really have any money. They have a printing press. They create currency. And so they create new money. That money floods the system. And when you increase the money supply with the same amount of goods, you get inflation. And that's what we've got right now. And most of the people in the White House have no idea what causes it or, frankly, aren't honest enough to admit what causes it because their whole political philosophy is based on trying to give free things to people. But this is the problem. This is the bait and switch of free things. When you give things to people for free, there's ultimately a cost, and that's what inflation is. People have actually added it up, and just simply the rise in gas prices has probably canceled out all of the government checks that were sent out. Oh, but we need to understand where this came from because yeah. we need to try to make sure that we never experience this again. The lockdowns and the inflation and the borrowing all have led to inflation. The only way to get rid of it is to quit digging the hole and quit adding debt. And, and I know it's been mostly against your wishes, but hasn't your own party also been guilty of this? I mean, during the Trump administration, there was an awful lot of spending and quote unquote stimulus that was also <clears throat> adding to that money supply. There was only a handful of us in March of 2020 when COVID struck who opposed the lockdown and opposed the spending. Uh, Thomas Massey in the House, myself in the Senate, uh, virtually stood alone in opposing to this. I flew back here after I'd had COVID, stood on the floor, and it ended up being a voice vote, but I was the only uh, one to voice an opposition to these large packages of trillions of dollars. It wasn't an either-or situation. People said, well, we've got to do it. We've shut the economy down. We have to give people assistance. Well, no, the alternative was don't shut the economy down. I don't think we saved any lives by shutting the economy down, shutting the schools down, putting stickers on the floor, putting uh, you know, masks on people's faces. None, right. none of these things really helped at all. In the end, there are some things that protect you from infectious disease, and the main thing is immunity. You get immunity from vaccines, so vaccines are helpful, and you also get immunity from having the disease. Now, it turns out that the vaccine wasn't that good at preventing transmission, but probably uh, prevents hospitalization or, or reduces hospitalization. Um, but so does infection. And so my main complaint with the government is the government hasn't been honest with us. Uh, those of us who have been infected, which is now 75 percent of kids and about 60 percent of adults have been infected, uh, they aren't getting sick. They aren't going to the hospital and they're not dying if they get it again. And so infections, previous infection is incredibly protective, but it should inform us on whether or not we need a, a fourth booster or a 25th booster. Um, but the CDC won't reveal the protective value of being infected because their opinion is just keep getting vaccinated until there's no more vaccine or until you have no money left. You know, just keep paying for a vaccine. And this is a real problem. But this dishonesty has bred a great deal of distrust in government. And uh, that's where we are at this point. But we need to learn from this because we can't get another infection in a year or two, another flu. And then all of a sudden people go crazy doing things that didn't work, but destroying the country in the process. We have so much evidence that there are negative reactions to the vaccine on a much larger scale than is being reported by the media. Um, why why does it seem like you are the only one who's willing to go toe to toe with Dr. Fauci? and try to reveal this information. Why do you think the rest of your colleagues in Congress 
are okay with forcing the rest of the country to trust a pharmaceutical company that just recently, a few years back, received the largest fine ever in history for a pharmaceutical company because of shenanigans. Why are they so afraid to challenge that status quo? I think some of them don't have a scientific background and they're afraid of scientists. The scientists bamboozle them with things that they're not uh, are not readily understandable to the layman. I think that's part of it. But the other thing we have to remember as we're looking at this is that what they're trying to get us to do is something that they want to universalize. So, for example, if you're over 80 and you ask me, are the risks of COVID worse than the risks of the vaccine? I'd probably say COVID's a lot worse than the vaccine. I'd take the vaccine. If you're 10, I'd say it's probably the opposite. The risks of dying from COVID are virtually zero, and the risks of the vaccine are small, but they're enough that I wouldn't recommend it for children. If you ask me a third vaccine for children, I'd say it's malpractice. And they really have not been honest at all. There is no health benefit to a third vaccine to these boosters. But there definitely are health detriments to actually taking it. Inflammation of the heart for 16 to 24-year-old boys is approximately 40 times worse. Some studies show even more, but 40 times more common than your kid not being vaccinated. 75% of kids have had this. I asked the question of Fauci, how many of the kids who have had this are getting infected again, going to the hospital, and or dying? Says we don't know. Well, they do know. The answer is zero. Yeah. I mean, the answer really probably approaches zero if you've been infected, if your child has been infected. But why wouldn't you go to your doctor? And if they were pushing a vaccine on it, why wouldn't you ask your doctor, well, can we check and see if my child has already had the infection? Can we check them for antibodies? Or, you know, I have a positive test that my child had the infection two months ago. They had a mild cold. Do you really think I need it? Can we, why would my child have to take it? All these people say, don't think about it. Everybody must do as they're told. Everybody must take it. And this this lack of thoughtfulness and this universalization of of healthcare is a mindlessness. And it goes along with authoritarianism, but has nothing to do with science or thinking. And it should be rejected. And a lot of people are rejecting it. But uh, it's amazing to me how many people just simply have submitted. Yeah, totally agreed. All right. A couple more quick questions. One, let's go back to the economy. You ran for president in 2016. If you were if, if today under the current circumstances you had been elected president and now you get to take over this mess what are what were what would be the top three things you would do to fix inflation and get the economy back on track to fix inflation you have to balance your budget live within your means you have to allow interest rates to reflect what the market uh would indicate so we we suppress interest rates and we have for a long time so they're below what the market is that encourages the market to grow but it's sort of a false growth and this false perception of, of well-being. And that's where we are now. If you allow interest rates to be dictated by the market, they would probably indeed rise. You'd have a slowing down of the economy as the economy slows down, particularly if it does it in a, in a, in a gradual way, you would have a much more soft landing. Instead, what we've done is we've kept interest rates low for, for decades. And if they ever let them catch up, there's going to be a dramatic recession. This is what happened in the end of the 1970s, early 1980s. And this is what I fear is going to happen again. 
the main thing is you don't want to get in the situation. So you, you have to inform people that something for nothing is not something government can offer, that it's a bait and switch. There is no free lunch. And I think a lot of people get this. They instinctively know that you don't get anything in life without work, that when someone offers you something free on the internet, they say, give me your social security number and we'll send you a thousand dollars. Most people know that that's a scam. People are smarter than you think. Right. And uh, even from government, they need to know that when people offer you free college, free cell phones, free cars, free this, free that, that it's not really free and, and we're paying the penalty for it. And I think people are seeing this and that's why I think there's going to be a, a wave of discontent that comes through the election in the fall. And I think what you'll see is that people are going to send uh, these people home that don't seem to understand what causes inflation. You have traveled this, your home state and the country. It, do you feel like the left is very out of touch with the average American right now? They have no clue. I mean, and the problem is, is that for years, people on the left have argued that high gas prices are a good idea. They say it would be deterring people from driving and that people would quit using these awful gasoline-powered cars if the price were high. So people like Al Gore have been saying it's a benefit. They want six, seven, eight, they'd like $9 gasoline in order to deter driving and, and, and deter you know people using these gasoline-powered cars. So this is really the natural process for the left. The left is stuck. Now they're like, they, they see the punishment they have in the polls and they want to run away from it. But typically, and you'll still find some of these uh, climate alarmists who are saying, oh, yeah, this is great. We're not going to be driving as much. And, you know, we'll just plug our car in. We won't be able to see the exhaust when we plug our car in, but, you know, it'll still be there. But, yeah, it's, it's a real problem. And the only way it's uh, going to end is we need more people to, to figure out that this is, a, you know, a group of people that aren't being honest with this is all bait and switch. Yeah, the the they're not transitioning us to a clean form of energy. They're transitioning us to a lower form of standard of living. Last question: um, the president today is says he's determined to reinstate the assault weapons ban, despite pretty clear ruling by the Supreme Court last week. Um, is there a way that he can do that, and why would he do that? You know, I think optics for his people on the left and what they what they refuse to acknowledge is, you know, there are a lot of people um, of all walks of life, of all ethnic groups that defend themselves on a daily basis. Can you imagine telling a, a, a young woman who lives in a, in a rough section of uh, Chicago that she can't have a gun? Right. You know, or a, or a shopkeeper or the horror of what they're, they're doing to this shopkeeper in, in New York mm -hmm. who defended himself against an attacker and a thief. Um, yeah, I, I just think they're out of touch with this, but they can't legally do it. And the courts eventually would strike him down if he tries to ban assault weapons. The thing is, is even if you ban the new new purchase of them, there are millions out there and most people who commit crimes steal them anyway. So, you know, unless you're going to go around to every country, to every household and every every uh, hamlet in the country and, and, and steal everybody's guns from them, which would take, a, you know, an army the size of the Chinese army and hell bent on eliminating our freedom. You know, I don't think any of those are practical solutions. What we ought to do is realize there are bad people among us and those bad people are committing crimes. We need to quit letting them out of jail. We need to put them in jail and keep them there. I mean, the Supreme Court ruling was pretty clear, wasn't it? I mean, it, they didn't they didn't even indicate that there should be limits on what we can own, in all honesty. Yeah, I, I think that uh, all of this would be shot down, and particularly if it's not passed by Congress. And right. short of them getting rid of the filibuster, there's no hope of, you know, passing complete bans on weapons. So uh, I do think that the the people among us who are committing crimes, particularly violent crimes, 
Um, I think a court can take their their legal rights to own guns, and I'm in favor of that. And I think that almost all of these mass shootings that you're finding, the kids have created, uh, have um, you know, I think committed uh, felonies in advance. The yeah. kid in in uh, Buffalo had said he was going to kill his classmates and himself. Yeah. It is a crime to threaten your classmates and say you're going to kill them. You can be convicted in a court with your own lawyer. And that's not a red flag law. That's just the law. Yeah. And I think what we should do is try to be more perseverant to um, enforcing the laws that we have on the books, convicting these kids, and uh, separating them from their gun rights, but in a legal, lawful, and constitutional way. Yeah, you don't need a gun fl- a red flag law to take away the guns from that kid in Chicago. He'd already threatened to kill his family, and they'd already taken his knives away. So, you know, it didn't even didn't need a red flag law for that. So, Yep. Uh, all right, Senator Paul, it's good talking to you again. Stay safe. Thank you so much for your time. We appreciate it. Thanks, Lynn. All right, have a good one. All right, a couple things about what Senator Paul said there. First of all, on the uh, what he would do if he were president today. One of the things that resonated with me about that was that he he's talking about being honest with the American people. And I think that he I think we're now at a place. I think 4 years ago or 6 years ago, we weren't there. I don't think people were as in tune to what was happening to them. Um, as they are now. I think now that the pain has set in, uh, you got nothing to lose by being honest with the American people. And I think they're ready to hear it. And I think they're ready to recognize that the government can't give you everything. And um, I think they're ready to recognize that maybe uh, an interest loan or maybe a loan on a home simply can't be going forward 2.9%. You know, I mean, we don't want it to be 14% like it was in the early 80s, but, you know, 6 and 7 isn't the worst thing in the world for an interest rate, right? And I'm not saying that's where I want it to go or that's where it should go, but what he's saying is let the markets determine where it should go and things will kind of settle out in the wash and everyone will be the better for it. You know, I remember buying our first home and we bought it right before I guess it would have been, we bought the first one two years before the crash. And I'll never forget, I think we paid like one twelve for it, right? Brand new house, brand new construction house, $112,000, right? I mean, there's trucks more expensive than that right now. But what was interesting about that was that we were excited because we got a interest rate. It was like a prime interest rate and it was like 6.8% or something like that. And it was really good. It was historically low, right? Um, and so that's just not feasible when, you know, if the, if, if the value doesn't, you know what I mean? Value has to be, everything has to line up in terms of what something's actually worth and what that, what that loan is actually worth and so on and so forth. So, um, you have to, you have to tell the American people the hard truth that we, we can't have a government program for every aspect of our lives and, Ultimately, we the whole point of this experiment in freedom is that we have the freedom to take risks and try to build our own fate, try to build our own destiny, try to build our own dreams instead of standing there expecting the government to come along and give us the building blocks for our dreams. The building blocks for our dreams is freedom. That's it. There's only one building block. It's the foundation. Done. Now you go out and do what you think you need to do to be happy, to, to be successful, and you're going to fail. And you're going to learn from it, and you're going to get back up. We should have a system that allows you to do that without you being completely devastated. But look, hard times breed hard men, 
And hard men create soft times. Then soft times create, you know, soft men. And then soft men create hard times. We're in that cycle right now where we need to figure out how to toughen up a little bit. Um, and I think that's kind of what he was talking about. The other thing that I just wanted to point out was uh, I've always appreciated Senator Paul's stance on firearms. Um, it's about as close to mine as there is in Washington, besides maybe Thomas Massey. Um, what was interesting about the president's comment on this was that he said uh, he said that America, you know, he wants to reinstate the assault weapons ban because America is a country full of weapons of war. This is a fundamental misunderstanding of how this country is supposed to work. We are supposed to be a country where the citizens have weapons of war because the Second Amendment codifies, enshrines, absolutely delineates our right to defend ourselves against tyranny at home or abroad. I mean, we have, that's, that's codified, that is built in to our American psyche, our American DNA, and how this country was founded. And any politician that doesn't understand that, they, 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 I think he does understand that. I think they're trying to be able to do whatever the hell they want without fear of the people. You know, in the Netherlands right now, uh, they're having to protest with tractors, and that's great, and it's fascinating to watch this because they're trying to take away these farmers' rights. They're doing it in Germany. They're doing it in France, and they're protesting, and they're standing up, but they don't have anything else to fight back with besides their, fr their tractor. You know, they're, they're sitting ducks if the government decides to move on them. You know what I mean? And so the Second Amendment isn't about sports shooting. It, is, it isn't even about specifically self-defense. It's understood that you have the right to self-defense using whatever means necessary. But it's about the defense of freedom. And I think that's what makes the left the most nervous. You know, we see Antifa out here in the streets doing their thing. Um, but, you know, the people who just want to be left alone aren't involved at this point. I think you'd rather them not be involved, right? So I, I just think, I, I think America's ready for a dose of truth. And I think that's kind of what Rand Paul was talking about and saying, you know, if he were president, I'd just tell people the truth. And of course he would protect the Second Amendment. So anyway, that's, there's no rumors that I know of that he's going to run for president. It's just something that I'm sitting here thinking I would like to see him do. All right. Big thanks to our uh, sponsor, Louisville Cabinets and Countertops, for making this possible. Um, if you're in southern Indiana, Louisville, or Oldham County, where we lived, they are the place if you're thinking about renewing or upgrading your kitchen or doing it all over altogether. They did such a great job on our kitchen. I'm confident it's one of the reasons our house sold in less than a day. Call them today and get a hold of their designers. They can help walk you through whether it's a small project or it's a complete complete upend and remodel. They can take care of you. Or if you're a do-it-yourselfer, they have cabinets in stock, high quality, just about any style you can imagine. They are not affected by the supply chain, so they have it ready to go. And uh, you can just simply call 502-930-3304, 502-930-3304, or go to louisvillecabinetsandcountertops.com. Kathy writes in about them. Hey, I worked with Tim and his team and, uh, on a kitchen remodel, and I couldn't be happier. I will use them again if I ever have another kitchen bath remodel. Steph writes, excellent product and fantastic service after the sale. Uh, would definitely do business with this company again. Service after the sale. I like to call it SAS. I love that. Louisville Cabinets and Countertops. Big thanks to Dynamics Audio Productions for their help with this program. They provide the audio's uh, uh, supervisory for the program, so we certainly uh, respect and uh, appreciate them. If you have anything that you're doing with regards to maybe uh, digitizing and restoring old tapes, 
uh, family memories, all the way up to a Hollywood project. They can take care of you at dynamicsaudioproductions.com, or it's uh, dxaudio.com, Dynamics Audio in Lexington, Kentucky. Big thanks to you for continuing to download the program. We're over well over 100,000 downloads now. Thanks so much for listening. Share it with your friends. It's a free share and a free download and a free subscription at iHeartRadio's app. Uh, just search for the Disruption Zone or Google Play or Apple Podcasts. I am Leland Conway. Thanks for listening to the Disruption Zone. <laughs>